Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you all, and uh, thank you for being here as we conclude a series we've been in for a couple of weeks called The Blessing. Now, right here at the top of the message, i got a confession to make. I am a fan of 80s music. Anybody else in the house like some? Wow! I knew I liked you people. Man, we got so many things in common. And when we take road trips, yeah, I'm putting it on 80s on 8 a lot. The kids are probably worn out on it, but I like it. And when it comes to 80s music... There's really no bigger name than Prince. Anybody here know who I'm talking about? Okay, Prince, yeah. You never thought you would hear this in church, right? But here's the thing that people don't know about Prince. He was a preacher's kid growing up. And the other thing that a lot of people don't know is that he struggled from epileptic seizures. Now, here's what's interesting. His daddy was a pastor in a denomination that saw seizures as a satanic curse. So he would tell his son, literally at 12 years old, listen, stop having seizures at church. I'm going to lose my job. And money was tight in the Roger household. And he was like, you got to stop doing that. And of course, Prince, you know, he's saying, dad, I can't help it. Like, I don't control when the seizures come on. They just do it when they're going to do it. And then his mother and father, he said, this was later in an interview with the BET, he said he... His mother and dad would sit down with him and read him the New Testament passage of Scripture where the dad would bring his epileptic son to Jesus and he would heal him. And it was as if to say, you know, if you had enough faith, you would be healed, but you just don't want to be healed. This is like your fault that you're having these epileptic seizures. And he said it caused all kinds of pain, frustration, shame, and, and just discourse between he and his parents. And for, for throughout most of his young adult life, throughout his adult life, for sure. And he said, and as he got older, uh, his dad was a really accomplished pianist. He was a jazz piano player. And he begged his dad, dad, would you please teach me how to play the piano? And for whatever reason, his dad just refused, would not teach him how to play the piano. So as an effort to say, I'll show you, he taught himself how to play the piano and the guitar and every other instrument on his albums, Played nearly every instrument. We'll talk about talented. There was an interview with Eric Clapton who said, the most talented guitar player I've ever seen in my life is Prince. And a lot of people consider Eric Clapton to be one of the greatest of all time. And so Prince, throughout his life, struggled with this relationship with his mother and father. As a matter of fact, it showed up in the lyrics of some of his most popular music, going all the way back to some of his first hits. Let me read to you one lyric where you see this. He says, how can you just leave me standing alone in a world so cold, so cold? Maybe I'm just too demanding. Maybe I'm just like my father, too bold. Maybe you're just like my mother. She's never satisfied. She's never satisfied. Why do we scream at each other? This is what it sounds like when doves cry. And he confesses that over his lifetime, it was never quite right between he and his parents. It was something he struggled with. This is what we've been talking about over the last several weeks, is that when we grow up without the blessing, there is something missing. And this blessing, as we've defined it, it is the gift of unconditional love, acceptance, 
and approval. Love, acceptance, and approval. And without it, I talked about in the first week, we will go searching for counterfeit blessings to bless ourselves with, to validate ourselves, give ourselves value, to make ourselves feel good about ourselves. And it may be in our appearance, it may be in a relationship, if I could just get somebody to love me, it's in our possessions, what I own, how I look, the, what I possess, how much money I've got, maybe it's in our performance, if I could just achieve enough, do enough, have enough, prove to people I am important, I am worth it. But all of it is for naught. You constantly feel empty at the end of that road because it is a counterfeit to what God intended and we talked about the fact that without this blessing, it will impact your adult relationships. It will cause you to struggle. It will impact your marriages. It will shape your view of God himself. We talked about that. It will also cause you to repeat the cycle into the next generation with your own kids. As a matter of fact, Dr. Trent, uh, Dr. Jonathan Trent and Gary Smalley in their book on the blessing, talking about their own personal practices and how they've seen this thousands of times and done extensive research on it. It's a beautiful book that really goes into much more depth than I have. He talks about this. He says, no matter your age, the approval of your parents affects how you view yourself and your ability to pass that approval on to your children, to your spouse and friends. Check this out. He says, this is vital to your self-esteem and emotional well-being. Like You will always struggle if you don't have this. You're always going to struggle if you don't have this. As a matter of fact, we talked about that if you didn't get this from your parents, or if you kind of half got it, or maybe some siblings got it, and you just didn't, for whatever reason, you just never felt like you just have a solid sense of who you are, of identity, of who you are. The beautiful news is, is that your Heavenly Father extends this blessing to anyone who will receive it, anyone who will accept and believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, we see the blessing that God gives his son at the moment of his baptism when Jesus was baptized by his cousin, John the baptizer. And when he was coming up out of the water, we're told that God opened up the heaven and he spoke these words. He says, this is my son. You hear the identity? I'm associating and I'm connecting my identity with his. I'm proud of him. This is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. This is the blessing that every heart of every person craves to hear from an apparent or from someone of significance who raised you, who poured into you. We crave it. We long for it. And God says, and I extend it to all those who believe and accept my son have the right to become children of God, John tells us. It's a beautiful promise that we can receive. And we talked about how to do that week one. We'll have another opportunity at the end of the service to do just that, to begin a relationship with him through the process. But once we receive that blessing, now there's a responsibility to be a funnel through which that blessing flows into the lives of others. So the big guiding question that's launched us last weekend, and it's going to launch us again this weekend, is this. How can you ensure that the blessing gets passed on to your kids, your grandkids, and to those who desperately need it around you. Because there are people all around you that God is wanting to use you to be a blessing to them. But we've got to make ourselves available. We're going to talk about how that works today. Last week, we started the conversation by saying the first really important step is meaningful touch. Now, 
Meaningful touch may not sound all that spiritual, but we saw from Genesis to Jesus last week that God over and over used meaningful touch to communicate love, unconditional love, acceptance, and approval to people, especially when it was about a family blessing being passed down, and even Jesus in his ministry blessing others around him from children to adults. And we also saw that this is just the way God wired us, that you and I have within us a desire, a craving for this, that there are benefits physiologically and emotionally and spiritually when we experience and give healthy, appropriate, meaningful touch. It's really great. And it lays the groundwork now for what we're going to talk about this week, putting that blessing into words, beginning to communicate it clearly with what we say and what we write and how we put, pass that on to others. So here's the next step in that, is the spoken message. A spoken message is simply to attach high value to someone with our words. It's to say, I see great value in you. It's what I like to call having a I see in you conversation with someone. I just wanted to let you know what I see in you. I see generosity. I see creativity. I see selflessness. I see glimpses of really great things in you. And I believe God's going to use it into the future. Where we're learning how to uh, show this love. We're learning how to communicate the love uh, through our words and through our actions. And this blessing, to put it another way, the blessing is a statement of their present that shapes the story of their future. It's saying, here's something I see in you today, but here is what I want you to know. That that selflessness that I see in you when you, you know, even if it was just a real small, like for a couple of seconds on one Tuesday afternoon when you served your sister, you know, like that was great. More of that, please. You know, keep doing that. And what we spotlight, we promote in other people. When we celebrate, we promote. And so important to say, that's awesome. As a matter of fact, selflessness is the key ingredient, God says, to a great leader. You will become a great leader someday if you keep doing that. You're going to be a great dad. You're going to be a great husband, I mean, wife. You're going to be a great person to work for. You're going to be a great person to have working for you, for them, because you bring so much to the table. You're creative. You're hardworking. You're focused. You do good, you do good work. We need to start telling these things. Present, things that are in the present that, that can shape the future. And here's the thing that's interesting about our kids. When it comes to predictions about the future, maybe you've noticed, noticed this about your kids. Our kids are literalists, especially when it comes to words being spoken by their own parents. What you tell them from an early age, they believe it. They really believe it. They will remember it because you saw something in them and you will speak into being sometimes a vision that maybe only you saw it. They didn't even see it in themselves. Have you noticed this? People are far less self-aware than we give them credit for. We think, oh, they already know they're good at that. They already know that they've made an impact. They already, I almost guarantee you, most of the time they don't. They don't know they are. We need to encourage them. Tell them. When you see something good in someone else, tell them. Write them a note, send them a text, write them an email, make a point to let them know it's so incredibly important because your words are so powerful, ladies and gentlemen. They are so incredibly important. 
and, and, and to encourage them to keep making this choice again and again and again because it leads somewhere great for you. It is so important. As a matter of fact, when the children of God, the Israelites, were on the cusp of going into the promised land, God made them pause and make a choice just like this. As you'll remember, over in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, Moses had just passed away, and a young new leader by the name of Joshua had taken over the children of Israel, and he was about to lead them into this promised land. But God said, wait just a second before you go. I want you to be intentional about the decision and choice that you're about to make. How you're going to conduct yourself as my people and as families that come together as a mosaic to make up this nation of Israel. And here was the critical question, because I believe that we're right on the cusp of another generation that is being raised up. And God, once again, is calling us out to make a critical choice again for our kids, grandkids, nieces and nephews, and people all around us. And here's what he asked them to do. He says, today, I have given you the choice between life and death. In other words, the stakes couldn't be higher on this one. This is as high as it gets. Between, let's say it together, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. God's saying, I'm not making this one for you. You get to choose. And he goes on to say, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. This hangs in the balance the future of your family. This is as important as it gets, God says. So let's talk about these two words here, blessings and curses. First, blessings literally means to bow a knee to show great value. Now, we don't do this much in our culture anymore. But back in Joshua's day, this was expected when you were in the presence of someone who way outranked you. You just bowed a knee to show great deference and respect and value in that individual. So to bless another person is literally with your words and actions to bow a knee. It's to say, I ascribe great value to you. To me, you are a person of great, incredible value. And I'm going to treat you that way. I'm going to talk to you that way. I'm going to behave that way towards you. I'm choosing to bless you with my words and my actions. And this is so incredibly important to, to, to do that, to be intentional. He says to choose blessings over curses. This word curses from its Hebrew root literally means to dam up a river. Now in Joshua's day, it, it, to dam up a river or to block a, a people's water source was to dam up life itself, like to stop life. To stop their water was to stop life because water was life. They, they couldn't live without the water supply. They had to have it. In a sense, what God is saying, I want you to choose to bow a knee, show great honor and respect to one another rather than damming up words of life. Rather than withholding words and actions that communicate life-giving moments, life-giving words, life-giving actions, rather than withholding those, I want you to break forth the dam and I want you to let it flow. I want you to say the good things that you need to say. Because sometimes people feel cursed, not even by what was said, it was because they were ignored. Because they didn't feel like they didn't really say much of anything, ever. They didn't really say anything of real value. There wasn't any real instruction. There was no real guidance. There was no real 
And he's saying, don't let that be true of you and your family. I want you to break forth and I want you to speak it. When you see something good, say it, share it, write it down, give it to them, pray it over them. Let your grandchildren hear it in their ears. Pray it for them. Let your, your adult kids to hear it in their ears. Pray for them out loud. Pray. Give this. Let it come forth. It is so powerful what will begin to happen when these words of blessings begin to flow because we do not have any idea how powerful our words really are. Even when we come to the New Testament, the half-brother of Jesus, James, he reminds us with some powerful metaphors of just how powerful our words are. When we come to James chapter 3 in the New Testament, the book named after James, chapter 3, starting with verse 3, here's what James had to say about the power of your tongue. He says, I don't want you to notice the metaphors that he uses to describe this tongue or the words that come out of our mouth. He says, we can make large horses go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. Huge ocean liners. Like James had no idea how big ships could get, but they all still get, st they get steered by the same Laws of physics, there is a, there's a rudder that is small in comparison to the rest of the ship that guide the ship, right? He goes on to say, in the same way, this tongue, this little slab of flesh in between your teeth, he says, is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark, he says, can set a great forest on fire. This these three meta metaphors are really powerful. So here's my question for you. What do all three of these have in common? The bit, the rudder, and the spark. They all have power disproportionate to their size, don't they? They are way too small to be wielding such great power, he says. But if you'll notice around you in this world, there are things like that that are really tiny but have great power. And he says, so your tongue... That thing in your mouth is just as powerful. It is unbelievable how it can bless, it can curse. It can set an amazing future for your children and for other people. Or it can make them struggle and be irritated, frustrated for the rest of their life. You get to choose. I want to talk about this last metaphor for just a moment. This tiny spark that sets a great forest on fire. Because we got to witness that here in the state just a few years ago. It was actually a Sunday afternoon, September 4th, 2011. We just had one of the hottest, one of the driest summers in Texas history. And the gale force winds in Bastrop, Texas that day were about 30 miles an hour. And one of those winds hit one of those beautiful pine trees just right, and it caused it to topple into a set of power lines. And when it did it caused a little spark to fall from the power line down into some dead grass and leaf litter lying below on the ground. It ignited that leaf litter. And in just a few minutes, because of the high winds, the fire spread rapidly. In just a couple of hours, hundreds and hundreds of homes were engulfed in flames. As a matter of fact, over the next few days, if you were to come down Highway 71 into Bastrop, here's the view you would have seen from your car. Literally, as high as the sky was, 
was dark clouds rising up. Like, it looks like the end of the world over there. Unbelievable what these people had to live through. It was the largest, most damaging wildfire in Texas history. Caused over $325 million in property damages. Destroyed 1,673 homes, killing two people. And took nearly two months to put it out. And how did it start? A little spark. James is saying, your words, ladies and gentlemen, are that powerful. You can literally burn down a life, a family, a community with your words. You can destroy so much by what you say or even what you don't say. Be careful with your words, he says. You see, what's beautiful about fire is it is so powerful. When it's used correctly, it can warm our homes. We can cook our dinner with it. I love fires. I love to build fires. My family accuses me of being a pyromaniac. I love them so much, but I'll probably build one later today. But here's the thing. I always build them in fireplaces where it's supposed to go. If you get that fire where it's not supposed to go, it's so destructive you could burn the whole world down. It's crazy how destructive it can be. So goes the tongue. So goes your words. Don't ever underestimate the power of your words. And here's the question I want you to begin to think about and grapple with today. Because there are those in your life that maybe you have withheld this blessing. But think about this for a second. What are the qualities that you see in them that could cause them to blossom in the future? Your kids, your grandkids, nieces, nephews, people that work for you, people that are around you, friends, your boss. It could be people over you. It doesn't matter. You could speak the blessing to nearly any person around you, and you never know when they need it most. I remember having left voice messages on people's phone or send a text when I just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to do that. And it may sound so overly spiritual. That sounds so crazy. But I'm just telling you, when God prompts your heart to do this, do it. I, I can't tell you how many times I've had people get back in touch with me and saying, you have no idea how much I need to hear that today, how much I need to see that today, how much I need to be reminded of that today. Let's be that for one another. When you begin to see those qualities of generosity and selflessness and creativity and, and just focus and hard work and you see these things in other people, Tell them, take a moment to say something. Don't leave that damned up, but break forth that damned. Give the words of life with your words and actions. As a matter of fact, in Scripture, we're told about, you know, we're all familiar with sins of commission, the kind of sins that we commit by our actions and our words. But there are also, you may be, a, a, you know, this may be new news to you, but there are also sins of omission. There are sins that happen when we do not do what we should do in the moment we should have done it. As a matter of fact, let me share with you one place in Scripture where it talks about this in Proverbs 3.27, where it says, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to help them. Do not withhold even words of blessings to others when it's within your power to help them. Because that is good for them. That is an encouragement that maybe they need in that crucial moment to speak up. And I know when I tell you that, for some of you are saying, man, who's got the time to do that? I, I just don't know if I got the time. And I got to sit down and try to craft just the right words. Let me tell you, it doesn't have to be perfect words. 
You can even stumble over your words. If you're someone that has a hard time saying it, write it. Write it out and give it to them. Fold it up, put it in an envelope, leave it for them. Text it to them, email them. Take time to do this. I know you're going to want to delay. You're going to want to postpone. You know, I'll do it tomorrow. That's why Solomon, he knew he was going to say that. In the very next verse, here's what he says, verse 28. He says this, if you can help your neighbor now, don't say come back tomorrow, and then I'll help you. Do it today. Do it now. It's so important to seize the day on this blessing. Have you ever noticed when we come together, our families come together for a family gathering, family reunion, and everybody gets together, they start sharing right off the bat, usually about work and kids, and they talk about mutual interests and hunting and scrapbooking or whatever, whatever they're into, and they talk about it, and it's just like, seems like a couple of days goes by, and then right towards the end, when there's maybe one hour left or maybe 30 minutes left and everybody's about to say goodbye, all of a sudden... That's when the conversation shifts and people begin to hug, say, I love you. That thing you shared, I'm going to pray for you. We believe in you guys. We believe your marriage is going to make it. We believe it's going to turn around for this kid. We, we, your, your health's going to turn around. We, we're praying. We're believing. We say these things. It's interesting because it always seems to happen when we feel the pressure of time. It's in those moments that the things that are closest to our heart tend to come out. But until we feel that pressure of time, we don't really say those things. And I'm encouraging you today, don't wait. Because here's the misnomer about time. We all have less than we think we do. That's why we tell in our children's ministry, we encourage parents to keep a jar with marbles in it that represent each of the weekends that you have left with your kids. Even if your kids are in middle school, junior high, and just beginning high school, you'll be amazed at how few marbles you've got. And some of us are just about lost all our marbles, okay? <laughs> and it's sad and exciting all at the same time. But I'm telling you, you need to keep track of that and to make the most of those opportunities and to come and speak to them and speak what you see and to say it out loud and to seize the moment while you have it. It's so incredibly important. So here is the big question I hope that will drive you to action. What have you left unsaid or unwritten that needs to be said, even if your kids are adults today? What do you need to sit down and put pen to paper tonight before the sun goes down, before you put your head on your pillow to take a few minutes and write down a few things that just need to be said just in case you're not here next Sunday, just in case you don't make it to Wednesday or I don't. We need to make sure this kind of stuff gets communicated. It's just too important. It's too important to take a moment to share it, to say it. Because I really believe that once again, we are sitting on the cusp of a huge choice God's given us for a next generation that's coming up. And he's saying, life and death hangs in the balance. Blessings and curses. Oh, that you would choose life. For the future of your family, your descendants, depends on it. It's just that high of stakes. God says your words matter. 
When it came to creating the universe in Genesis 1, it was the word of God that went forth that made the universe appear. That's how he created it. He, slipped, he spoke it into being. And we come to the New Testament when God was looking to share his love and message of salvation with all of the wor- world. What did he do? He made his word to become flesh. In John 1, we're told that he made the word become human and make his home among us. Speaking of Jesus, Jesus was the metaphorical word of God to teach us and let us know what God's word was on our life. To understand that. He claimed it. He, 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 he not only claimed to be the son of God, God in the flesh, he says, here's how I'll prove it. I'm going to be murdered, and I will resurrect from the dead. No one has ever been able to pull that one off, not ever before and not ever since. And Jesus did it. It is a historical fact, the resurrection of Jesus. And it lets us know we need to pay attention to his word, and we need to pay attention to our words. But he goes on to say, from his abundance, we have all received one gracious, let's say it together, one gracious blessing after another. The gracious blessing of God's forgiveness. The gracious blessing of unconditional love and acceptance and approval. Over and over, God extends his best to us through his son. And he says, now, you need to understand. You're not just this reservoir to hold on to that blessing, but you're a funnel through which I want to flow the blessing to those around you. Now, are you open? Are you willing to make that critical choice and start it today. Don't put it off. And here's the prayer. This application prayer I'm asking you to pray with me today is simply saying, Jesus, I choose blessings over curses. I'm breaking the dam today. I want words of life and actions of life to flow from my life into other people. I want to learn to encourage people better. I want to write it down. I want to share it more. And you know, I want to tell you something. When you begin to do that, the blessing comes back on you like tenfold. It is unbelievable how wonderful and how blessed you feel for having been the conduit through which God could share that love with someone else. And then finally we say, thank you for your blessing of unconditional forgiveness, love, acceptance, and approval. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.